The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. That's right. Today on The Lab Report, we're going to talk about B vitamins. What are they? Why do we need them and where do we get them? I mean, most of us are taking them. We should probably know what they are. Agreed. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. What did you do to our Instagram account? I didn't do anything to the Instagram you account. You post something over the weekend. What? It was, a, it was a reel of me and you. Gone. Deplatform Genova Diagnostics. Hello! Hi, Michael Chapman. How are you today? I'm doing great, Patty Devers. How are you? I feel terrible that we got deplatformed. Well, I don't know what happened. You know what? It's a movement that we're about to start. Bring back Genova Diagnostics. <laughs> Hashtag free Genova. That's right. Let's see it. Let's see it. Instagram army. I know you're out there, yep. all 8,000 of you. Um, by the way, yes. this is a lab. I mean, it is a lab, but yep. that's not relevant to what we're talking about. This is a podcast <laughs> is what you're listening to. You're that's not right. listening to a lab. No. I don't even know boring. how you would do that. I would, I'm not sure what the sounds would be. It sounds kind of painful, but uh, it's where we talk about things like specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, functional medicine, integrative medicine, naturopathic medicine, chiropractic medicine. Oh, gosh. All of them. All the medicines. Osteopathic that's right. medicine. And Shout if, out, Patty. <laughs> if you're new to this podcast, welcome. Thank you for joining us. If you're returning, thanks for all of your support. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you would go to iTunes or Spotify, perhaps subscribe to the show, give us a thumbs up, you know, Your support feels good. It does. Yeah. It's like a warm hug. <laughs> if you have additional feedback, you can send it to podcast at gdx.net. That's our email address. And I also want to just give a little shout out. We just got back from the A4M Spring Congress yeah, in Orlando. We met a Fun lot time. of you out there. We we're so glad to meet you. I want to give a shout out to Sherry. PA from Naples, Florida. Super cute. Yeah, it's really fun when uh, people actually know who you are, come by the booth, say hi. So great. I mean, it's still weird, right? What do you mean? The fact that anyone knows that anything about this show. every single time. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's ever going to change. And maybe that's just no. because we're like, we don't think we're doing anything here, obviously. Right. We forget that people are listening out there. Why would they be? Exactly. That's, that's exactly the thing. Well, today... Yeah, exactly. Today, what, what are we talking about today? What are we talking about today, Oliver? <laughs> it's been a while, Oliver. Haven't heard from you. Oliver. Haven't heard from you. Well, today we're going to talk about B vitamins. You know what I just thought of? What? Like, like what if bees, like actual bees, like B vitamins? Like, do they have do they have vitamin needs? Should we Google this? Whether bees <laughs> have particular nutritional deficiencies? I wonder if they do. Like, if you know, is there a certain thing that their body can't make that they have to get from their environment? And are they mad that we call them B vitamins when really they are the ones with B vitamin needs? What are I mean, you I won't, on about? I won't derail us on this, but I'm just saying. You've already derailed there's us, been sir. bee colony collapses, and I'm hoping somebody's thought about B vitamin deficiency. Okay, so it's your theory that the reason bee colonies might be collapsing is that they have a vitamin deficiency? I don't want to derail us any further on this, to be clear. However, uh -huh. I think somebody should look into B vitamin <laughs> deficiency. I think we should look into B vitamins on this podcast. Fair enough, Patty. Where do you want to start on the B vitamins? What's a vitamin? Yeah, good question. So I'll start with my layperson answer here and say that uh, 
you know, there's a lot of things that the body needs to keep on thriving, mm-hmm. to keep on crushing it, as you would say. Correct. Um, and one of those things is vitamins. And, and vitamins in particular are important to the body because it can't make them, right? Vitamins are something that you have to get through your diet. Um, and that's basically kind of the, the why we have this separate word called vitamin. Vitamin means something that your body requires that you can't make, you have to get by eating it, consuming it, acquiring it somehow. In the case of vitamin D, not consuming it unless you want to think of consuming sunlight. Right. And we know that there's a lot of different types of vitamins, right? There's fat-soluble, there's water-soluble, sure. there's A, D, E, and K, there's B vitamins, C vitamins, E, A, lots of vitamins we got out this there. Bun- yeah, lots of bundles. Yeah. yeah, lots of vitamins out there. But today, in particular, we're going to focus on the B vitamins, of which there are several. And this might sound like a dry topic, you know what I mean? Yep. But it's I don't think it is, because B vitamins, we take them, and it we sort of think about them colloquially. It's like, oh, you need energy? Take B vitamins. Oh, are you taking B vitamins? Like, we talk about them and and just throw this term around a ton. um, And we don't really think about actually what they are, why we're taking them. And, like, why did we group a bunch of them with numbers in the category of B, we don't do that with other vitamins. We don't have C1 and C4 and all this (laughs) sort of nonsense. What is going on here? Okay, well, this podcast episode is just raising more questions than we have answers for. That's right. And I think what you just asked was really important. So why do we clump all of these Bs together? Why is there B1, B2, B3? Secondarily, why is there no B4 or no B8? So many questions. Well, I actually, I have an idea around that. I think they were trying to discover different vitamins along the way and being like, I think that this is needed and we can't make this in the body. And so they find these different things that the body does need. And some of them turn out to actually be produced by the body. So like maybe there was a B4 that they thought was a vitamin, have to get it from diet. But then it's like, oh, never mind. The body can make this. And so then they just scratch that off the list. That's what I think happened there. Um, You can fact check me on that. Actually, and since we're talking about fact checking, I mean this this does seem kind of Googleable, right? Ooh, I mean, should we definitely. should we Google it? Yes, let's Google it. I mean, this time that typing seems legit because I don't even know what you would type in. That's a lot. This is a big question to ask. In it fact, is. it might be so big that it might confuse Google. Um, I'm kind of curious what all that got is it. though. What do you got? Okay. Well, apparently the reason there are gaps in the numbers of B vitamins mm-hmm. is because our understanding of these B vitamins has evolved over time. So initially there was only one single B vitamin, mm. but hmm. then what later, just B, just B. Oh, okay. Yeah, just B. But like, would, oh, they don't know what it was. It right. Was just, okay. B. And then later they recognized that what they had been referring to as that one single B vitamin was actually had many different components. And then those components were numbered one, two, three, four, et cetera. But even later, they realized that some of these components, such as B4, mm-hmm. did not meet the criteria of even being a vitamin C, and were dropped. So C. that's how we ended up with eight B vitamins with non-sequential numbers. So basically, it was given as much forethought as the uh, Asheville city planning did around their <laughs> highway design. <laughs> well, and to that point, actually, I have here that vitamin B4 you mentioned yeah. can refer to choline, adenine, or carnitine. Mm, yeah. So all three of those. There right. you go. Um, B8 is adenosine monophosphate, AMP, right? Which is right. The, B, the backbone of ATP. But our body can make those, turns out. So scratch them off the list. Although... I'm totally going to call choline B4 from now on just <laughs> to be that guy. You should. All right. So it's B vitamins. They're important. Your body can't make them. They're in a group because basically poor planning. I feel like we've gotten somewhere some so far. Uh, now, like, what's important about these? Why 
why do we need these so much? Why are people taking so much of it? Well, I think we all understand how important B vitamins are throughout your entire body. If the, every single function of the cells in your body would involve B vitamins, mainly because they're cofactors in a lot of biochemical reactions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just converting food into energy, creating blood cells, maintaining your skin. Mm-hmm. So every single function in your body requires a biochemical process, and B vitamins are very commonly those cofactors needed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's also something that kind of separates the B vitamin group from a lot of the other vitamins, too. I mean, vitamin C, uh, vitamin E, you don't necessarily see those being involved in a lot of reactions in the body, they are more related to scavenging free radicals and protecting your body from damage and things like that. They're antioxidants. B vitamins are sort of like uh, the tools Mm -hmm. of the system. They, They are the ones that assist in turning one chemical into another. And therefore, in a lot of cases, energy production is a huge thing with respect to B vitamins, which is why you know, at the end of the day, there we go. Uh, we use, we should, this is a drinking game at this point. We should use, <laughs> people use B vitamins for energy support. That's a big thing and why people are like, oh, you're low energy, take more B vitamins. But each specific B vitamin has its own function and um, expertise, I guess is the best way to say it. So why don't we start to break down each B vitamin? Because we know they're numbered, B1, B2, B3, but we also know they have specific names and specific functions. So let's start with vitamin B1, which is also known as thiamine. Yeah, thiamine's cool. Thiamine's interesting. And I think, you know, to try to prevent this from getting really dry and really boring and going through each single one with all their biochemistry and blah, 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 I'd like to try and highlight some of the weird, crazy oddities. You know, so for example, B1, we really only kind of know and found out about B1, I think, as it relates to overconsumption of alcohol, right? Yep. And yep. what do we think of with B1? The most common thing we think about, and I mean, you all have taken boards, the most mm. famous thiamine deficiency is called... Charcuterie boards? <laughs> I'm all about them. Wernicke-Korsakoff syndrome, which, you know, causes tingling and confusion and peripheral neuropathy. So basically my waking life. Um <laughs> But it's an important point because alcohol itself can displace your ability to absorb thiamine, which is why chronic alcohol dependence causes that thiamine deficiency. Sure. And not just alcohol, it seems. Uh, Phenytoin, anticonvulsants, Mm -hmm. uh, oral contraceptives can also do this. Um, And there's some evidence to suggest that things like diabetes, type 1 and type 2, might have an impact on the metabolism or absorption of, of thiamine as well. So all told, probably fairly rare. Uh, for people to be thiamine deficient, but that's not to be said it hasn't also been used interventionally as well. So that's a little bit about uh, B1. Let's talk about B2, which the common name is one of my favorite of the B vitamins to say. I don't know. It just sounds cool. Riboflavin. (laughs) Is that cool to say? Riboflavin. Riboflavin. Riboflavin, vitamin B2. And we think of this as an important cofactor in some of those energy production, anything that makes ATP, things in the Krebs cycle. We think about that with one, two, and three, but riboflavin is one that's critical there. That's right. Yeah, if you ever have stared at a biochemical pathway like when you it do? says FAD, uh-huh. that is what riboflavin ultimately becomes. That's the reason why it's a vitamin, because we need FAD for so many things. And like we'll talk about mostly in the energy production systems. Correct. And it's rare to be deficient in riboflavin. It's rare, rare it's to be. Rare, it's rare to be vitamin to B be deficient. Deficient. Uh, okay, so now riboflavin might be my favorite to say, but my favorite to take 
is the next one. It, why? That makes no sense. Because <laughs> niacin. niacin, vitamin B3, is not good to take. It causes flushing. A lot of people have really crazy side effects from taking this. Why is it your favorite to take? <laughs> that makes no sense. Look, in the winter, it's cold, all right? <laughs> so I like the flush. It makes me feel wow. temporarily warm. No, the truth is, um, I think interventionally, uh, there's a lot of potential uses for niacin, yeah. uh, and we're discovering more and more of them. But uh, as it relates to so many different, like whether it's detoxification, whether it's energy production, whether you just like a thrill of getting the flush, you know, I'm not going to say which of those I prefer the most, but uh, it's the flush. And we think about a really important word that comes up when you're talking about vitamin B3 deficiency, and that's pellagra. Is it pellagra or pellagra? I always said pellagra. But I'm kind of strange. I like to say medical terms differently, like popliteal fossa That's or ridiculous. thoracic outlet Nobody syndrome. Nobody says that. Hey, you know. What are you doing? I like to be an individual. <laughs> Tell me about pellagra. Again, going back to my board-taking days. Why not? We, <laughs> who, who didn't love the thrills of, course, of the boards? Of course. Well, we thought about the four Ds of pellagra. Dermatitis, diarrhea, dementia, and eventually death. Real subtle guys with that last one. Did you have to put that in there? I mean... <laughs> well, they needed four, and you needed a D. <laughs> you have so to. So might yeah. as well end on death. Of course. Hey, Patty, you know what another cause of uh, niacin deficiency is? What? Alcohol. It is? Yeah, it and certainly is. Uh, heart and up disease kind of makes sense, carcinoid syndrome. But mm-hmm. one of the biggest causes of niacin deficiency, or perhaps insufficiency, is... Malnutrition. The standard American diet, exactly. Whoa. Same deal... Malnutrition, standard American diet, just goes to show, right? Even though deficiency, quote unquote, is rare, um, this diet ain't helping. No, it is not. But another rare deficiency to have is vitamin B five, which is also called pantothenic acid, and yeah. it is incredibly rare. Just learned to about be it today. Deficient in pantothenic acid, it's in a lot of foods, and in the United States, incredibly rare to be deficient in it. Although there is some suspicion that something that could contribute to poor utilization or absorption of pantothenic acid, oral contraceptives. Well, I think of oral contraceptives wasting They're a lot of B vitamins. bad for like, the B vitamins. All the B vitamins if get you're, wasted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can see that, and we'll talk about that maybe even more so with mm-hmm. B6. Yeah. Uh, lots of research around that. But uh, oral contraceptives, birth control, uh, if you're on them, might want to consider thinking about some B vitamin support or especially making sure you're taking at least your multivitamin. But you know what else is, is really bad for B5? What? The standard American diet. Oh, my God. I'll stop there, but you can basically use that line for the rest of these. <laughs> All right, Patty. Well, we've gotten through the boring ones. Yeah. Now we're at B6, <laughs> no which offense, is the, guys. the crowd favorite. Vitamin right. B6, also known as pyridoxine, which is important. It's like the cofactor in like hundreds of enzymatic reactions throughout your body. But to your point earlier, the ones, the twos, and the threes are more around ATP and energy production. B6 is kind of everywhere else, like yeah. breaking down amino acids, developing your brain, immune function, breaking yeah. down carbs and fats. Okay, okay. So wh- two of the things you just said I think are important. Breaking down amino acids and breaking down carbs and fats, right? So the the utilization of macronutrients is critically important. And what I see a lot of times clinically is that people who are strenuous exercise or even just general exercisers, people who are moving their bodies tend to deplete vitamin B6 more readily. Um, And so when we're talking about balancing out activity versus recovery, I think B6 is 
critically important because it is involved in in what you just said, breaking down amino acids to create energy and breaking down carbs, fat to create energy as well. Right. And when you have this vitamin B6 deficiency, we think about some of those things like scaling on your lips and cracks at the corner of your mouth, swollen tongue, sometimes just confusion and depression. So it can really be a physical Signed. You sure. can see that in someone that they're deficient or insufficient in vitamin B6. Sure, sure. And the reason why this happens is so think about it this way like all these B vitamins, if you're using them all over the place, I think of it as like cash, right? Each mm-hmm. one of these is like a different form of cash. And so if you've got to use cash to pay your utilities, if you've got to use cash to buy your groceries, to get new clothes for the kids, like you've got to use cash all over the place. Once you start running out, then what do you do? You budget. And you've got to figure out where what's the where can I maybe trim down a little bit? Um, and so, hey, maybe that's some scaling on your lips. It's sort of like we can deal with a little scaling on the lips. We need a lot of these other things more critically. But I think you can use that to make the point then if this is such an outward symptom, like mm-hmm. to, to have these physical manifestations, it's your first warning sign to say, hey, you need to be taking more vitamin B6 because we know how important B6 is. Right. This is like your first manifestation to say you're starting to become deficient, which brings us now to biotin Boo. or vitamin B7. And I think a lot of us know the word biotin colloquially because people take biotin supplementation oh, yeah. to help with your hair and your skin and your nails. That's but right. Interestingly enough, the NIH says that there is not enough evidence to conclude whether taking biotin helps with your hair, skin, and your nails. However, when you look at some of the symptoms of vitamin B7 or biotin deficiency, it is things like thinning of your hair, brittle nails. So where do we land on this one, Michael Chapman? Uh, it's a great question. And and truth be told, I was joking about not caring about biotin and booing at it. Um, you know, it's a, I'll do anything for the joke. But I think there's a really important lesson to be learned here with with the biotin thing, because you're right. Having biotin deficiency produces these things. And so the natural implication or the natural desire is to say, okay, well, if these things happen when you're deficient, then to improve or optimize, just take that thing, Um, which makes sense logically, right? It does. It does. It's like, Uh okay, well, obviously biotin is important in, in in hair, skin, and nails. Uh, so across all spectrums, it should help with hair, skin, and nails. But like, that's not necessarily true. That's kind of a reductionistic thinking because mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that just because these things happen when there's a deficiency, that even if something's adequate and you want to improve it, that's going to be the same relationship. It could very well be that there's rate limiters with excess biotin or that even, um, production or optimization of hair, skin, and nails is a totally different process, not related to biotin. So I'm not going to say that we know for sure that taking biotin in somebody who's replete will help them. I don't know. Like you said, the literature is mixed on that. Um, But it doesn't always mean that just because this happens with deficiency that you need to do that to optimize. Sure. Um, There's also some literature around biotin supplementation being useful in patients with things like psoriasis. So perhaps the literature will come around on how to use biotin therapeutically. Mm -hmm. But to your point, Michael, it's just not there yet. And one interesting thing about biotin Mm -hmm. is that um, it's actually very common or you have the capacity in the research when they're trying to induce biotin deficiency in people, they feed them egg whites. Why? 
Yeah, so uh, raw egg whites actually contain a high amount of this uh, chemical called avidin or avidin, mm-hmm. uh, which binds protein very, very, very strongly. Some of it, most of it's denatured with cooking, um, so probably not a big concern in the general population, general public. But uh, for those uh, Rocky fans out there, if you're just consuming a bunch of raw egg whites, you might want to be careful around biotin. Are there any Rocky fans anymore? <laughs> There's <laughs> a lot of Rocky fans. I mean, it just, me? it's an older movie is all I'm saying. No. Okay, Michael Chapman, another crowd favorite, folate, also known as vitamin B9. Most of us have heard of folate. It's found in green leafy vegetables. They put it in prenatal vitamins to help prevent birth defects and neural tube defects. So everyone's heard of folate, even if you didn't know it was vitamin B9. Yeah, what what gives there? I mean, it, it, it right. was so popular, it like overcame, or did it change its name at some point? And it was like, I, guys, I want to go buy folate from now on. And, and then it got popular, and people forgot it was a B vitamin. Like, what? Why does folate escape the num the numeric convention here? I'm guessing has pretty good PR. It's a catchy name. It is folate, and folate is important for to make DNA and to replicate DNA. Yeah. And folate is important for proper cell division. So kind of important in your body. Cell division is important. You're going to yeah. run into some problems real quick. Right. Uh, and so here's like a, here's a tip, trick, life hack. Go. If you are taking a prenatal vitamin, uh-huh. guess what? What? It's basically the folate that they're focusing in on. I mean, they put other stuff in there, but like the reason why they're calling it prenatal is there's more folate because it's important in pregnancy. There's so much to say about folate that it's not even, we can't contain it here. I mean, we're going to touch on it. Maybe something we can really focus in on at a later point, but you can also go back and listen to our methylation episodes. You're going to get a ton of folate stuff there too. Speaking of methylation, ah. if you do go back and listen to that episode. And we're running through the B vitamins here. Not only do we talk about B6 in the methylation episode, we also talk about B12 because it's super important there. But mm-hmm. the reason I like B12, Michael, is because it contains your favorite mineral. You mean Neptunium? <laughs> Did you make that up? Heck no. Actinides, baby. <laughs> Actually, many of you don't understand that Michael at one point was pushing to become a cobalt expert. That's true. And vitamin B12 contains the mineral cobalt and is sometimes called cobalamin for that reason. See, it was just, it was all there in front of me. I didn't even right. know why. Um, B12 is a biggie, isn't it? It's a big I one. mean, we think big about deal. it with so much, but conventionally we think a lot about megaloblastic anemia, basically because of atrophic gastritis and things like that, where we're having a really hard time absorbing it, uh, lack of intrinsic factor. You can go at all this stuff conventionally around how it, anemia how it and, relates yeah, to anemia. Um, clinically, we also think of deficiencies related to a lot of neurological signs. Um, that's very, very common. But also, what do we think about as well? What, we think about the methylation stuff that you were talking about. So homocysteine is a big thing that we might look at from uh, with respect to adequate B12. Uh, also, we think about the marker on like organic acid testing, our Nutrival, metabolomics. We think of methylmalonic acid as being a really great indicator for needs for B12, probably better than even a serum B12 analysis. Agree. And we know that vitamin B12 is prevalent in animal products and animals. And so right. if you don't eat animal products, like if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, oh, yeah. It's important to find sources of B12 because clearly you're not eating animal products, but you can find it in things like breakfast cereals and nutritional yeasts and things like that. Right. And so you mentioned the cobalt, the cobalamin. There's lots of different forms, too. Um, So there's cyanocobalamin, there's hydroxycobalamin, uh, there's methylcobalamin. And these are all kind of coming from different places and have different activity levels in the body, too. Uh, So methylcobalamin is one of the main ones. That's why you might hear methylated 
B12. That's what we're talking about there. As compared to like hydroxycobalamin, and some of these are actually made by your gut microba and might not be have as much action in the body as say some of you know cyanocobalamin, adenosylcobalamin is another one. Holy cow, there's so many of these. I know. Oh, and also one more thing too. You mentioned uh, vegetarian veganism and not mm-hmm. getting it from animal products, uh, alcohol as well. Turns out alcohol is really bad for the B vitamins. <laughs> I think it's really bad for a lot it of things, but um, there you specifically go. Specifically the B vitamins. And we know, so we've gone through all of them. We know that they each have their own specific functions, but they also depend on each other for proper absorption and, and to, to maximize your health the best. In general, if you eat a varied diet, you should be able to get all of the B vitamins you need. However, a lot of people supplement. Yeah, a lot of people are taking these for sure. Which brings up the concept then. Is it possible to take too much? Like if you're supplementing and you just, you know, throw a whole handful of B vitamins down your throat, is that bad? Can you get too much B vitamins? Uh, Well, I think it's good to use the precautionary principle here and be a little careful with what we talk about. I mean, anything can have reactions. You can have reactions to anything. You can take too much of anything. That's always the case. So um, we need to make sure and get that disclaimer out there. For the most part, B vitamins are considered generally to be safe. They're water-soluble. They're rapidly detoxified. A lot of times, whatever you're not absorbing, you're excreting, hence the urine that looks like it's fluorescent. Um, But all things being equal, you certainly can... You don't want to be taking far too much of this. And there are people that react negatively to B vitamins. And there's a lot of theories around why that might be overmethylation being one of them. Um, but also maybe people just having sensitivities to some of these could be possible as well. So, I mean, I guess all that to say, like if you're taking these, don't go crazy with the dosages, stay within what's recommended and always work with somebody who is, uh, experienced and trained in doing nutraceutical interventions like a naturopath or somebody who's in functional medicine. Oh, man, that's a lot of B vitamin talk. Well, we did a lot of B vitamin talk at a very high level, and each one of these vitamins could be their own oh, podcast for sure, episode. For sure, for sure. So it was really just an overview, and we'll dive into each of them as we move further. But this was a good overview. I think we should also look into this B vitamin deficiency thing, too. You know? You're talking and about bees. Bees yeah, having like, a vitamin deficiency? That's right, yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll do that ne- next episode. Be there. Total dad joke right there. I mean, what do you expect? Next time on The Lab Report, we're going to talk all about honey. No, we're not. Why not? Actually, that is a good topic. And see? See what I'm saying? All right, that's a good one. See how these things... Bees, honey, see where you're going with this. We did it. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. Hey, Patty. What? What's the bee's favorite novel? What? The Great Gatsby. (laughs) Here we go. Give me another dad joke. What is small, black, and yellow and drops things? What? A fumblebee. Why? Why why are you why? What does the professor B say when a student asks a question about the course? What? It's on the syllabus. Wow. Okay, let's just end this. What's a bee's favorite flower? What? A begonia. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs>